Hello, and welcome to the Here and Now podcast from Federated Hermes. I'm Linda Dissel, Senior Equity Strategist. Today, I'm joined by Daniel Paris, Senior Portfolio Manager and Head of the Strategic Value Dividend Team here at Federated Hermes. Daniel is the author of three books on dividend investing, The Strategic Dividend Investor, The Dividend Imperative, and Getting Back to Business. So who better to discuss the compelling opportunities of dividend-paying stocks? Thank you, Daniel, for joining me today. Thank you, Linda, for having me on the show. Just uh, dive in here now with uh, a quick look back. Uh, happily, the mandates, it looks like, for masks have been lifted. And maybe, maybe we can put COVID behind us. But the 2020 lockdown that we suffered and the rocky markets are still fresh in a lot of people's minds. And you know, when we were living through that period, I might've thought that investors would flock to defensive quality dividend stocks at that time. Instead, it seems like they went over to those FANG stocks. Why didn't they come to the safety of the dividend quality? That's a really good question. And, and it's a fair question. And, and societies and business processes and investor preferences do change. And, and the reality is that while dividend investing is sort of the norm, the, the what you do when you're doing things normally, that normal changed during work from home. And frankly, a lot of the work from home stocks were businesses were, were doing very, very well. And it's some true. of the traditional business practices, uh, uh, transactions, uh, things purchased, things used were not. And, and that was reflected temporarily during work from home. Over the long stretch of time, though, dividend investing has worked out well because it aligns with people's kind of everyday activities uh, and uh, that we are beginning to see come back into normal fashion, into fashion or just back to normal. Yeah, I thought, I thought it was also curious, you know, all that stimulus money that came at us and uh, people did tend to run towards the biggest names. Out there. Like you said, they were, they were working very, very well. And so what happened to the relative price to earnings multiples of the higher quality dividend stocks in that period of time. Yeah. So the types of, uh, of dividend stocks that a dividend investor would, would uh, tend to focus in generally are going to be a little less expensive than the market because uh, they, we do give up, generally speaking, a little bit of growth. Uh, uh, and that's, that's standard. But that gap open between what uh, the price was paying for an income stream and what was paying for certain types of growth uh, prospects, maybe not realities, but prospects, that opened up enormously. It actually began opening in 2016. And then during COVID in 2020, it opened up to extraordinary statistically challenging levels. And uh, that now is beginning to close and we're seeing sort of a mean reversion, which, yes, which we'll goes peek well. On, yes, we'll peek in on, on that here next. But I'd seen a statistic that said the relative pre PE multiples for the high quality dividend stocks were trading near all time lows you hadn't seen since 1950 in the course of these past two years. And, and indeed, as you suggested, it's been a growth market. I think it's been a growth market for maybe 13 years. OK, here we are today. The economy's booming and we have a big inflation problem and interest rates look like they're set to rise. So what's becoming of what I think you've called those so-called fancy stocks? Yeah, this uh, not to get too complicated, but I would draw your attention to both inflation, interest rates, and what I call risk rates. 
And there are a lot of moving parts there, which we won't get into in this setting. But I'll simply say when risk rates are rising, that is people's perception of real world risk, then the type of old fashioned cash flow, steady eddy businesses that we have are, are welcome. And what's important about dividend paying stocks is that they're, they're equities. They're, uh, the, the businesses can raise their dividends. They're not bonds. So on the inflation front, Dividend paying stocks offer some inflation protection, may not be dollar for dollar, but it, it's it's close. And on the risk rate perspective, uh, dividend paying stocks tend to be less risk, more stable businesses. And so as investors' perception of risk rises, there's kind of a tailwind to the dividend paying universe that might not have existed during those years when risk was in favor, you know, in fashion, uh, exceptionally in fashion. Right. And of course, I guess that as discount rates go up, that's a problem for those buying growth stocks that are counting on a long stream of of earnings way, way out there as versus the dividend itself. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm struck by a technical term duration, which, uh, again, we won't get into, but uh, usually it's just a measure of time. And when discount rates move up, you want to get your money up front. And dividend-paying stocks, by definition, have lower duration than, than uh, all of those, what I call fancy stocks. Fancy stocks are a term from the 19th century of businesses, that, uh, stocks that had no <laughs> business associated with them. Yes. But uh, you, you do want to have your money up front when discount rates are rising, and that's what dividend stocks offer. And exactly what the growth stocks do not offer. So now it looks as if the dividend strategy, I like, I like the way you are as you're describing what it's ha- what's happening, it's starting to perform well now. And you've described it as coming out of the wilderness. I think that's pretty powerful. Can you explain and take us how long has it been in the wilderness, Daniel? Well, not, not a biblical 40 years, but <laughs> uh, investor time horizons are so much shorter that for four years from 2016 to 2020, roughly, depending on your flavor of dividend paying uh, uh, strategy, but uh, during that period, four years, which for many investors is a lifetime, uh, uh, dividend stocks were generally underappreciated, even though they were paying their dividends, growing their dividends, uh, suffering the you know normal tailwinds and benefits of, of whatever their business cycle was, they were out of favor for four years, a very long period of time. That does appear to be coming to an end, that, that uh, being out of the wilderness, they appear to have come back onto the, the uh, investors' uh, horizons, investors' worldviews. And you can remember a particular date, can't you, Daniel? Yeah, if you do want to put a flag in the ground and say this <laughs> is when it changed, just you can take a look at your portfolios. You can take a look at any major market indices. You can take a look at sentiment indicators. Take a look at September 1, 2020. That's actually from this time of taping is 18 months ago. Uh, this tape presumably will have some shelf life, but 18 months ago from taping. And uh, that's a notable time that the, we seen we appear to be seeing during that period mean reversion back to more normal approaches to investment and investment characteristics of uh, dividend-focused strategies. September of 20, and of course, um, you know, as, as I've traveled the country and I've always been a big fan of the high-quality dividend strategy for at least some portion of everybody's portfolio, and we looked at how very, uh, how very, very strong has been that growth run. I find it's interesting you say it started in 20, because it did seem to be five years in that wilderness there. And uh, back in the fourth quarter of 2020, I remember seeing a chart running around that showed that the energy patch, which is a good 
uh, good dividend-oriented sector was trading at price-to-book levels that were at least 94 years uh, inexpensive. What a sale there. And I used to run around saying to people, you know, with all the stimulus money, it seems like every stone's been turned over. We're buying everything. Stocks and bonds, U.S., international, cryptos, NFTs, the only stone not turned over. The only one was the high-quality dividend now. Today, obviously, energy had a great year last year. It's having a great year this year. Staples, I think, doing pretty well in here and some of the others. But are there any sectors that you might want to point out to the group that stand out, still maybe hated out there, that might have some, that might still be on pretty good sale uh, in the high quality space? Yeah, you know, the dividend investor tends to be pretty stable, low turnover, and uh, not rotate among sectors as much, which is a, it's a fair question. But I, I would say uh, that the whole space of uh, is is still under intellectually appreciated. I, I acknowledge that energy, as you pointed out, Linda, has gotten a lot of attention recently. Uh, but really, the the whole space we we continue to be very comfortable in our skins doing what we're doing, given the combination of the dividend yield of the individual securities and of portfolios generated upon them and the dividend growth prospects, even in difficult times with inflation, with various crises, uh, supply chain, the supply, supply chain issues resulting from COVID remain to this day. But even with all of those headwinds, the, the combination of value uh, that we're seeing and the income stream and growth, importantly, the growth in the income stream, it's very, very comfortable. Acknowledging that uh, the price of energy-linked businesses tomorrow or a week ago or a week from now can be dramatically different and, and investors need to be careful about that. Loved over the last several years. A lot of the dividend paying space meets that category. But uh, I have to say among those, uh, the, uh, the telecoms have particularly been, uh, how shall I say, uh, left aside. And that creates opportunities for, for investors going forward who are interested in, in uh, high income streams. And we'll see how that plays out as in volatile markets, meaning some sectors moving up sharply, others being ignored creates uh, some, some profit-taking opportunities as well. Uh, and uh, we'll see eventually, I expect the, the valuations of the telcos to mean revert, and that bodes well for the dividend investor. Okay. All right. Excellent. Uh, okay. So here we are in 2022. And uh, as general strategists at Federated Hermes, we, we took note towards the end of last year, that was almost a straight upward move in the market. We could only have put together just one 5% pullback. And we expected a more volatile year this year with catalysts, including the, the midterms, persistent inflation, the Fed's trying to walk a tightrope here, always in the back of our mind, potentially another new variant. And now, of course, geopolitical risk has taken center stage and volatility has shown itself strong so far year to date. So, Daniel, how has the high quality dividend strategy held up in volatile markets historically? Yeah. Again, this is sort of the tortoise versus the hare. And uh, we have over, in many ways, two centuries of data show the attributes of being the tortoise. And it looks like 2022 is showing up to, as one of those incidents where there's a, a lot of pressure on asset prices. And in that case, uh, um, people turn to safer securities. And again, these are assets that are every involved in everyday transactions. Uh, they're not really discretionary, often not discretionary, usually not discretionary, small ticket items. And it's that type 
disruptive environment in challenging times that people turn to when we are seeing that again in 2022. It was not the case in 2020 because people moved to the newer and I have to acknowledge functioning work from home businesses, all credit to them. But we yeah, have a yeah. more traditional crisis right now, or not crisis, but challenge right now. And people seem to be uh, moving to what they have over the past two centuries moved to, which is more defensive uh, businesses. And what's what's the sort of historical behavior of high quality dividend stocks when the S&P 500, for example, is correcting? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't want to go out on a limb and make a, a performance claim, but we do have instances in the past of, of negative downside capture, which if you know what that means, basically the, the very defensive se- sectors go up, uh, holdings go up when the rest of the market goes down. Uh, but at a minimum, they tend to go down less than the, uh, the market. But we have had episodes of negative downside capture and uh, investors shouldn't be surprised if that happens again in the future. It has happened in the past. Meaning, again, the defensive dividend-oriented securities hold their value when the rest of the market is not doing so. I also saw a statistic about the staple sector in particular, which I know is one of the uh, is one of the sectors that are favored in this type of a of a process. Since 1975, staples outperformed when interest rates rise. So, uh, really, does seem like in a number of ways the stars are aligning for the high quality dividend oriented strategy. It's been shunned for some time. Looks like it's it's been inex- inexpensive for that reason. Um, interest rates look like they're coming back and a volatile market does seem to be, seems like 22 will be a long year. Uh, but of course, high quality does usually underperform when you're coming out of recessions and, and bear markets. Uh, and that's, I guess that's to be expected. Uh, they're you know, the turtle wins the race when the economy is doing well, everything, all the boats are rising. Why not go to those those uh, those more cyclically oriented stocks? But wow, it seems it seems as if when big monetary policy, when when you're seeing lots of stimulus out there, they really do underperform. People really do turn their backs on high quality. Why should I? Why should I buy a high quality stock when money's just showing up in my bank account? You know, that type of an idea and so are we now, do you think, uh, after the low quality stocks have shown outsized outperformance in these last several years, are we now moving into an environment, you believe, where high quality will start to really shine? You know, it, it, again, hard for me to, uh, I, I don't want to be in a position of belittling the, the opposition or the alternatives. I'll simply say that uh, the tortoise moves whether the hare is running around him or her regardless. <laughs> the tortoise moves forward. The tortoise always moves forward, slow and steady, moving forward when the weather's good, moving forward when the weather's bad, moving forward when the hare is taking a break, moving forward when the hare is sprinting. And in those environments over literally centuries of investment history, this type of approach has has done well. Uh, There will be times during, again, monetary stimulus, monetary non-stimulus, economic contraction, economic expansion, when the hair will will pull ahead, but the tortoise never never falls out of the race in particular. And uh, so we're very, very comfortable given uh, what you were referring to, that valuation advantage that the tortoise now has and, and kind of picked up from 2016 to 2020, uh, that, that we, we will be continuing to move forward very, very comfortably over the next several years. I, I, I like that comment about the tortoise, and it reminds me of something that a financial advisor uh, shared long ago, looking at the tortoise versus the heron. 
Why does the tortoise walk so slowly? It's because the dividends weigh so heavily in the wallet on its back. And I just thought well, that was an excellent, which, which actually is very, 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 very interesting. Also, another as we consider perhaps the stars are aligning for defensive value here. Um, lots of, lots of uh, data I've seen that suggests that the, the vast majority of the money out there is held by people age 55 and older, people that are looking to retire, that are looking to have a more stable source of an income strategy. They really would love a tortoise. And the tortoise uh, has been historically high yield government bonds, excuse me, government bonds, sovereign bonds, particularly the U.S. bond here. Now, uh, We've seen a strong stock market really since 2009, just uh, interrupted ever so slightly by COVID before the stimulus came. And what I found so curious is that the love affair with government bonds has continued uninterrupted since 2009, even as equities have done so very well. Uh, but the 10-year has been stubbornly low, around 2%. And what is an income-oriented investor to do? And I would like to ask you this question, Daniel, because it is by far and away the most common question I have had from advisors in the last 13 years. How do I get high-quality defensive income for my clients? Where do I go with a government bond giving us very paltry income? It's a, it's a great question. And your clients, I think, are right to be challenged because the yield of the US stock market has been uh, at or below 2% for more than 30 years. So longer than basically most of your advisor clients ha have been looking at it. So they're not used to seeing the stock market as an equity income platform. Uh, prior to the 1990s, uh, you could get a good income stream uh, from the US stock market. In fact, stocks historically were viewed as income, rising income uh, mechanisms, and bonds were perceived to be safer, but the returns from stocks were higher. You took extra risks, got extra return in cash. For a variety of reasons, mostly due to 40 years of declining interest rates, and I would argue 40 years of declining risk rates, uh, individuals got used to treating the stock market as a buy low, sell high, repeat frequently, but don't expect a check. Uh, if you if you <laughs> get your winnings, you can collect them at the door. Nothing wrong with that. Lots of businesses are run that way. But it used to be an, a business ownership platform where the rewards were measured in cash. That went away over the last 30, 40 years with declining uh, interest rates and the declining yield of the market and the, the payout ratio. We Dividend investors, focused dividend investors, have quietly been laboring tortoise-like in our corner of the market, where we have been treating uh, our investments and the strategy in, uh, that is high dividend strategies, in a more traditional business ownership uh, format and delivering a high and rising income stream from high quality business assets. It's not impossible. It's hard. It's, it's a career as it were, uh, but it's going to take a while to get in investors, advisors, home office people, gatekeepers, analysts, whoever, to, huh, you mean you can make a meaningful income stream from stocks? Yes, the answer is yes, uh, but it's not what they're used to. So uh, thank you for spreading the word, as it were, that it can be done. Equity income is a legitimate intellectual category and a legitimate solution to uh, client problems. It's just not how the U.S. stock market has been treated in the last 30 years, but uh, it, it can be done. It has been done. I think that's very powerful what you said, uh, particularly in amongst these, these last comments. 40 years of declining interest rates means 
there's two whole generations that have never seen rising interest rates. Those looking for high quality income then are getting a yield that's paltry and rates are going up and they may see a negative sign in their returns. Which brings me to my final question to you as our time got away so quickly today, Daniel. Indeed, hasn't the high quality dividend oriented strategy kept its dividend promise over many years? Yeah, and this is this is one of the things. Again, I'm going to use the metaphor of the tortoise. Uh, when you look at dividend payment records, either from investment strategies or individual securities or dividend focused metrics over the past 20, 25 years, payments are made uh, because their equity, the income streams have, have risen. Now there may be times when those strategies from a total return perspective or ahead or behind the market and so forth. But in terms of cutting checks to grandma, uh, it has, as you say, the covenant, a financial covenant, not a religious one, but a financial covenant has been made and been kept. There were times when dividends were, were under pressure during various crises, but they tended to be brief and shallow. And uh, the, the dividend stream has been maintained uh, for those investors who have chosen to go down this path. And it's been tested by various crises over the past uh, uh, 25 years and, and really uh, shown to be a, a, a persistent uh, uh, income stream for investors. So very pleased with that record and we think that uh, has every reason to continue. Well, thank you, Daniel, so much for your fascinating insights. And thank you to our listeners. We look forward to you joining us again on the Federated Hermes Here and Now podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please, we invite you to subscribe to the Federated Hermes channel to get every Here and Now podcast, plus our other series, Amplified and Fundamentals, for a global perspective on the issues, challenges, and trends shaping the investment landscape. I also encourage you to subscribe to our Insights email updates for the latest market commentary from the many great minds at Federated Hermes and follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Views are as of March 3rd, 2022 and subject to change based on market conditions and other factors. This should not be viewed as a recommendation for any specific security or sector. There are no guarantees that dividend-paying stocks will continue to pay dividends. In addition, dividend-paying stocks may not experience the same capital appreciation potential as non-dividend-paying stocks. Duration is a measure of a security's price sensitivity to changes in interest rates. Securities with longer durations are more sensitive to changes in interest rates than the securities of shorter durations. Bond prices are sensitive to changes in interest rates, and a rise in interest rates can cause a decline in their prices. Due to their relatively high valuations, growth stocks are typically more volatile than value stocks. Value stocks tend to have higher dividends and thus have a higher income-related component in their total return than growth stocks. Value stocks also may lag growth stocks in performance, particularly in late stages of a market advance. NFT stands for Non-Fungible Token. S&P 500 Index, an unmanaged capitalization-weighted index of 500 stocks designated to measure performance of the broad domestic economy through changes in the aggregate market value of 500 stocks representing all major industries. Indexes are unmanaged and investments cannot be made in an index. Credit ratings of single A or better are considered to be high credit quality. Credit ratings of triple B are good credit quality and the lowest category of investment grade. Credit ratings double B and below are lower rated securities, junk bonds, and credit ratings of triple C or below 
have high default risk. FANG is an acronym referring to the stocks of the five most popular and best performing American technology companies. Meta, formerly known as Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and Alphabet, formerly known as Google. Past performance is no guarantee of future results.